Hey, it's Travis. Hey, ho, okay. Hey, it's Travis. Happy New Year. Friends, you are in for a real treat. This is one of our coolest episodes. Graham actually sings in actual Italian at his insistence. And of course, he sings as beautifully as you imagine he does. He actually recorded his solo several times and even mixed it himself. He worked so hard to make this perfect. And boy, oh boy, is it. Speaking of our German listeners, check out at PatientNo7 to see more from the artist who did the solo postcard. It's very striking. Uh, available at the store soon. And as our patrons found out yesterday, our miniseries is here. Almost. Coming the 1st and 15th of February and March. Journalist Cecilia Burnham investigates the infamous disappearance of erstwhile pop culture icon, Los Angeles local legend, and failed musician Noreen. Her true crime podcast, Trespasses, details her search as she uncovers an unexpected pattern, a nearly invisible thread connecting several other less notorious disappearances of people all over the country, spanning decades, in and around hotels. This was a fantastic idea from Pacific that, of course, he had to talk me into, like trying to take a tennis ball from a dog so you can throw it again. We put together a very loose story idea and passed it off to the very talented Ben Counter to write it for us. I had read some of Ben's scripts already, so that was a pretty easy sell. For more from him, you can read his Warhammer novels because he is a fancy published author. He did a phenomenal job with this miniseries. It was a blast for me to get to absorb an official hotel story as a fan. That is an experience we will all share starting next month. Check out our socials, Twitter, Insta, and Tumblr to see the logo. And follow for more announcements and updates. Maybe pay attention specifically to the credits of this episode. Okie dokie, Mario should be here soon for lunch, so let's wrap this up. The lights are flickering. Time to take your seats and hear the solo. The hotel is grand tonight. Opulent and huge gold fixtures are draped in deep red fabrics. Carved stone, everything. Hard, cold and vast. A cocoon of marble and glass filled with the rare and bellowing music of laughter. Our guest must be important to someone. She travels with an entourage who never make eye contact as they orbit her, checking in for her, carrying her bags to the lobby boy, making her accommodations. All the while, she laughs grandly at her own observations to the manager. She can affect warmth and friendliness when the need arises, when the guest expects it. She laughs, too, in her own way, flashing her teeth and darkening her eyes. The guest doesn't notice. She doesn't notice anything but the attention she drinks in like an addict. I roll my eyes to myself, well out of sight in the shadows. I make a note on my clipboard to stay out of the lobby when we have eccentric guests. 
That's when the laughter changes to real music. It seems to well up from somewhere deep inside me, somehow. I don't pretend to understand the art form. We don't get a lot of live music here. But her entourage has stopped working to respectfully listen. The manager listens, too, suddenly very still and intent, her head cocked very slightly and her face knit tight. Even the lobby boy seems to understand, and he takes a step back, trying to put distance between himself and this feeling from within. I watch this gaggle, watch the guest, transfixed and changed. I myself try to remain unmoved and placid. But as the guest moves slowly and surely toward the center of the lobby, the lights seem to dim. The rest of us seem to fall away, save for our admiration, and the simple marble floor is elevated to a stage, a dais for this guest's final solo, solo. I peek out through the curtain to observe the crowd, to gauge their mood, I tell myself. Not because of nerves. I don't get nervous. Amateurs get nervous. Amateurs let stage fright shape their performances. No, what I have is a healthy dose of pre-show adrenaline. It fuels me, gives me strength and focus. It's what helps me soar above the crowd every night, until their applause lifts me up and carries me home. My sweaty hands tremble as I fix the curtain back. My pre-show adrenaline surges again, and I shake out my hands to help it circulate. I peek out through the curtain again, too dim to make out their faces, but I can hear them chattering softly. I can hear their excited expectation. I can feel their energy, even from backstage. I fix the curtain back and turn away for the dozenth time. I blow all the air out of my lungs a few times and hum some comforting warm-ups. A few stagehands glance in my direction, but no more than that. They know better than to interfere with me this close to curtain. Hey, this is Travis with a brief ad break. Thanks for listening. Now back to the hotel. I walk up and down beside the fly rigging to empty my mind so I can focus on the task ahead and the difficult emotional target I must hit. It doesn't work, and I once again find myself peeking out through the curtain at the audience. They're settled now, 
and their excited bovahi has hushed into anticipatory silence. I can't see any of their expressions from back here. You never know the mood of an audience until you're out on the stage. The curtain separates us, and we remain small and lost. Once you're out there with them, when you're all together, that's when it begins. We transform each other into audience and performer. We journey together, but I must lead them. And if I lead them astray, if I haven't done my job, I'll lose them. I fix the curtain back again and shake out my hands. The house lights dim and the hushed crowd falls silent. The silence fills the theater and pushes its way through the curtain backstage. The air pressure seems to change and I can't help but think even a grave can't be this quiet. The stage hands all settle into place, watching me with matching tense faces. The stage manager catches my eye and gives me a thumbs up. Break a leg, she mouths silently. I nod back at her, grateful to have someone who knows her job well taking care of the production. At some unseen signal from her, the curtain flies up, taking my nerves and shakes with it. I step onto the stage, and I'm me again. My purpose is clear. There's a job to be done now, and the audience... The audience is... dead. Dressed in their finery, and draped with heavy jewelry, but with the dull, sodden, expressionless expression that is unmistakably death. If you've never seen it before, you'll know it the moment you do, and the memory of what waits for you will never fade. I know it well, inside and out. I know it better than most ever could. I know how it feels to die and to rot, and it does not pass easier with experience. It does not settle into begrudging familiarity. Whether your coat is heavy or tattered, your bones will feel the same cold wind bite. And here now, among the hundreds of patron dead, I feel that wind howl. It stings until my eyes threaten to water. But the show must go on. I try to ignore them, letting my eyes go blank, staring into the terrible light. Yeah. Uh -huh.
extinguished. The curtain is down. I wonder if an audience's silence is louder than any ovation. As my vision adjusts, the wooden boards beneath my feet are plain old marble again. But before the curtain fell, I saw them rotten and ruined. Each note I sang spoiled them more, until all that's left was a mound of something putrid. Perhaps I couldn't inspire them, rouse them from their rotten flesh into phantasmic artistic appreciation, but no one could say they weren't glued to their seats. No one could say I didn't knock em dead. The guest must be close to death herself. My clothes hang in tatters off my dusty bones in the shadows of the lobby. At least I still have my overcoat. By the front desk, the manager and the lobby boy are gazing at me from the hollows of their decaying faces barely able to stand. They exchange looks, leaking goo from every split and socket. Not a dry eye in the house. I let my skull grin as broadly as it pleases at them, and when I rot to dust, I collapse at the waist, taking my final bow for the night before I shatter to the floor in pieces. 
The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Whitten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Whitten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum Drake. Vecchia Zimara Senti, written by Giacomo Puccini. Music arranged and recorded by Matt Roy Berger.